think the Bible's about? If you had to say it in a couple of words, what would you say? Anybody? Jesus likes to dance. Is that it? God's love. Yeah. It's God's story. Actually, when you start reading books called Biblical Theology, they make a really strong point that it's God's story about God. And that gives you a marvelous shift as you begin to take apart some of the things that feel like the law or feel like punishment. Um, So we're going to be talking about Revelation today because God's heart from the very beginning of Genesis is to reveal who he is. Now Alex came up with this fabulous series for the summer on miracles and they're not uh, how to, what kind of oil to use when you put a cross on somebody's forehead or um, should you use olive oil or some other kind of oil. Um, they're about the meaning of the miracles being done in front of the people. So there are two things that come out of these miracles that are intended. One is to describe the identity of Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with God. Jesus is God. That's an identity question. The other thing that's revealed and is is very much so in this book of Matthew today is that Jesus is nice. Now, I don't know how to say Jesus is nice in an English accent because when Alex says it, It's a wonderful, winsome thing. But when we say it, there's often a little kick of sarcasm or judgment or uh, a negativity about it. But I'm going to use Jesus is nice because it really means something to me after having done this work. Something in us God finds lovable. So if Jesus is nice, he loves us, right? Let me read you this little piece about Bernard of Clairvaux falling asleep in church and having a vision of the Son of God becoming a little child in his mother's womb. It's a vision that changed everything in Bernard's life. What is it that filled Bernard's heart with joy? It was nothing other than the fact that God chose to be with us, Emmanuel, Out of love, Jesus was conceived. Out of love, he chose to die. There is something in us that God finds lovable. It's certainly not our sanctity, nor is it our fidelity. When I look at my own baseness, my incredible ability to sin at a moment's notice, I wonder what God sees in me. We're going to be using this book at our group over in Longwood. If any of you would like to join us every other Monday morning, we have a um, speaker that looks like a softball with a bomb in it. So we don't have to buy the book. We don't have to read the book. We can just come to the meeting and listen to the book. And it's a message that will eclipse any doubts that you may have about whether you are loved by God or not. So I recommend this very highly.
Okay. Jesus, in God's plan, has sort of been given the football to run down the field and to accomplish a very specific thing in his life, which is to die on the cross. But before that, he is all over Palestine doing miracles to all who come to him. Let's see what's revealed as he does these things. Now, a reveal is something that's used in a plot these days that shows you a piece of information that has been present in the whole story, but nobody has known it. So when you have the reveal, Luke Skywalker says, Dad? Right? How many movies were there before we knew that that was a reality? That's a reveal. And the Bible and Jesus and Matthew are all about the reveal. More and more, the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to know you more and love you more and receive your love and your guidance more. It's about growth, isn't it? Matthew reveals things all over his chapter with the word behold. What does behold mean? If I said, Tom, behold the poison ivy over on the hill. Watch out, right? Take a look at this. Take this into consideration. So did you know that there are eight beholds in the first three chapters of Matthew? And that's not just going to change your brunch at all. Those eight beholds, though, all are linked up with a magical occurrence, with a star in the heavens, with the heavens opening, and the voice of God saying, this is my beloved son, with Mary the Virgin conceiving a child, with the angel of the Lord coming again and again, finally coming and visiting Joseph. And then at the end of chapter 4, there's a silence of beholds. And Jesus begins to teach. Now he taught a very specific body of information whose last word is mount. Can you think of the first word? <laughs> Sermon on the mount. He taught the Lord's Prayer. He taught about lust and divorce and judgment. Um, all of the traits and values of God and the behavior that he wants to see in his kingdom, the kingdom of God. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared. At the end of chapter 7, the word authority is put in to the text. And immediately we have eight more beholds. People are going to begin coming to Jesus. The first guy's a leper. That's a shock, especially back then. The centurion comes. The uh, blind men come. The woman with the flow of blood. The, the Jesus on the water. All of these beholds are about other people coming to Jesus. And we get to see what Jesus does. We get to see what he sounds like. We get to hear about what these people are struggling with. The paralytic is one among them, isn't he? 
How would you feel if you were considered a sinful, sick person? If somebody threw you on a, a straw pallet and dropped you through a hole in the house? It would be very humiliating. Maybe you'd feel very um, vulnerable, embarrassed. Everyone in the village is watching this happen. Your, your friends have taken you off and, and put you on this thing and said, come on, we're going to do you. And what does Jesus say? He looks at the friends, he sees their faith and their love for their friend, and then he looks at the paralytic and says, cheer up, you're in the right place at the right time, and I'm the man. And he heals them, not without some static from the um, scribes who are accusing him of doing what only God can do, right? Because Jesus is God, and they're figuring that part out. Now, the reveals changing our story and our lives go on for our whole life. We grow in Christ, and we grow in Christ by sometimes great difficulties and discovering God's love and the support of a wonderful church in the midst of those difficulties. We grow through studying the living word. This book is alive to me because it changes. It feels like it changes things, and I know it's still the same way, but it's always um, a great adventure to get into it. Um, you grow in terms of the women's group. My goodness, we're seeing such wonderful experiences and fellowship happen in our women's group. Some of that reveal happened to somebody in this congregation the other day. They didn't expect anything to be more than a, a saying goodbye to their father. And I've asked their permission to read this because they experience the kind of reveal that advances their understanding and love of God. This was written by uh, Robert Todd. One of my fondest memories of my childhood is the time of family devotions which we had on Sunday nights. My parents and all four of us kids would sit on my parents' bed and my father would read from the Bible. Then we would sing a litany of Christian children's songs. That was fun and joyous, the highlight of our devotional period. Then my father would say a prayer. His father was a pastor. When my children were little, we also had devotions with Bible reading, song singing, and prayer. The songs were the same, fun children's songs that I'd learned as a child. We would lie on my bed and my arms would be outstretched to the sides with two children to each arm. We sure did have a good time. On June 4th, my father's death appeared to be imminent, so my wife and I drove to Richmond to be with him and with my family. My father slowly deteriorated over the next four days. Family were with him 24 hours a day. At his bedside, he would sing. We would sing church hymns and kneel in prayer for him and for God's mercy. We had no doubt that after he passed away that he would go to be with Jesus. 
On the night of June 7th, my wife, siblings, and my two daughters were together in his room. The atmosphere was subdued. As was typical, we all joined together in singing hymns. Then one of my daughters read Bible passages which were appropriate as they discussed Christian beliefs about passing into rapture. Then the most amazing thing happened. My siblings, daughters, and I began singing the litany of Christian children's songs that we had learned when we were young and which were so meaningful to us. It was spontaneous and filled with joy and peace. It lifted us up. It felt like what is referred to as a mountaintop experience. Those songs seemed to simultaneously pay my father homage and to celebrate his life. Afterward, we were somewhat surprised and overwhelmed by this unexpected happening. We felt the peace of God which passes understanding. We felt as if we'd been given my father an incredibly loving goodbye. We felt the presence of God in that room with us. There was a sweet, sweet spirit there. I have never felt anything like that. I am truly blessed to have experienced that. The timing of our impromptu goodbye was made all the more special by my father's passing away peacefully the next morning. We were humbled and felt blessed that we had experience with God before he died. With the timing of his passing the next morning, it was amazing that that experience had happened at all. That night, of course, we had had no idea he would pass away before we saw him again. It's a Christian family. Raise their kids as Christians. We know their kids. Father and mother struggled to raise their four kids the right way and to do God's will. Everything was set for a great going away, a great goodbye. But there was this reveal embedded in this experience that they all discovered, they had all learned these songs in this simple ritual every night, and that all of them knew the songs. Patty says she was doing the dishes most of the time. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. Behold your life. Make good decisions. Think about what you want it to be like as God reveals more and more of his love for you. More and more is present in your life. Messes about in some of the details. I had a open house yesterday and the worst possible thing that you could imagine happening in an open house where you're trying to sell a house is that the first family arrived and they were absolutely darling and they walked into the house while I remained outside and suddenly as the next family was walking up the walk a little boy from the first family came out and said your dog did something on the dining room rug Did I go into a shame spiral or what? I mean, it wasn't smart. I've been trying to teach this puppy. I've been a little busy this week. 
So I went in, and because I was so tied up in knots that this had happened, I missed the fact, the reveal, that this was a wonderful family who was completely nonplussed about that. And there was a great counseling opportunity because the little boys had just buried their dog who pooped on the rug, too. And if I had been paying attention, I would have sat down on that rug and we would have had a little go-to session about grief and dogs and saying goodbye. Thank you for coming today and supporting me with your smiles and nods. Um, and may it, I have a wonderful house in Gibsonia. You'd love it. <laughs> I'll even get the rugs cleaned. Amen. Um,